are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. This week's episode is sponsored by Life and Longbows. Life and Longbows is the first collection of public works written by my dear friend and Traditional Outdoors co-host Nick View. While it is about traditional bow hunting, Life and Longbows isn't your typical bow hunting book. In Life and Longbows, Nick laces up his boots and places you inside his shoes to experience the failures and successes of a young traditionalist navigating the pitfalls of a newly discovered pastime. While many works of hunting literature are from a more professional perspective, Nick's is refreshingly different. He didn't start shooting or hunting with a bow until he was 27 and had little knowledge or instruction in either activity. The result is a unique perspective that is full of honesty, meaning, as well as humor. Now, I've been reading Nick's writings for many years on lifeandlongbows.com and was fortunate enough to get a sneak peek at the finished product. I enjoyed it immensely, and I know you will too. The Kindle version is now available on Amazon. Simply bring up Amazon.com, search for Life and Longbows, and download it to your phone, tablet, or desktop. And from there, you can also choose to order a paperback copy of the book as well. A third option is also available to order a copy, and that is directly from Nick's website, lifeandlongbows.com. And from there, you will receive a signed copy of Nick's book. I know I can speak for Nick in saying he hopes you will enjoy reading the book as much as he enjoyed writing it. Welcome everyone to the podcast. I'm your host, Steve Angel. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Nick View. How's it going, Nick? Oh, it's going good, Steve. Uh, as a carryover from uh, from last time we talked, uh, I'm just trying to avoid getting sick. Now everybody at work is sick. In addition, to, in addition to everybody in, in the house that got sick, and I was sick for a day, but I'm I'm think I'm all right now, and and just trying to trying to avoid all this and uh, and uh, get back get back out into the woods. Luckily, no one is no one is sick here, so knock on wood, that's that's going well. Um, I've been pre- doing pretty good. Um, got out a little bit uh, last weekend. Didn't didn't have a whole lot of action. I actually had a a couple of small deer, you know, within range, but elected just to to pass on those. It was actually kind of funny. So, um, if you remember the the year you hunted here, where we we hunted Cumberland Island, I think it was Cumberland Island, and we came back, and you had that extra day, and we we went and hunted that one morning on McGraw Ford, and you had the the hog run in on us. You remember that? Yeah. Yep. So, uh, if you remember that that that's a section of pines bordering some hardwoods and a highway and it comes down to a, a makes a triangle comes mm-hmm. to a point yep and i've been saying i was going to do it for years and i just on a whim went up in and, and found a, a decent size oak that i could get up in as close as i could to the point without sitting right, right on the road um because i know though i know the deer are coming through those pines to avoid some hunters that are always in the hardwoods that that border it and sure enough i had to come right through and went right down and cross the road right where i expected him to but I, I put some video on facebook of where i was sitting i sat there and watched cars go by I mean, it was maybe 75 yards from the from the road the whole morning but uh saw deer come through and just based on the sign i know a, a lot more would come through there so i'm i plan on going back and trying it again in a few weeks but it was fun yeah i bet it sounds fun i've um i had a pretty exciting weekend too uh 
actually a weekend or was it not last weekend, but the weekend before I had missed a six point and I missed a, a coyote and I haven't really been out since both of those are pretty cool. Cause they were on the ground and public land and really close. You know, I'm still, I'm kind of living both in my head over and over again. Um, making me real hungry to hunt again, but oh, well, things happen, you know, it's not easy. So it, it was a lot of fun and, uh, I'm looking forward to a little more time, you know, stuff like that just makes you want to do it more. So I do, I do. And, and, you know, then, uh, you and I've been chatting quite a bit this week. There's been some, I'm not going to go into a lot of it, but you and I both have, have shared some messages back and forth. We've, we've had some things that, that really frustrated us this week with, with regards to the, the usual, I'm just going to say it garbage that you see on social media and, and people arguing and fighting and, you know, the, the, uh, the Facebook groups being more about how many members you can get in a group rather than trying to, to moderate it. And it's kind of funny. We were talking about this with Kurt uh, Cabrera a couple of weeks ago, and I want to talk to Terry when we get him on about it, but you know, everybody always gave um, Terry and some of those guys at trad gang a hard time for being so hard nosed about the way they moderated. But, then when you see when it just runs amok like it does on social media, you you kind of get it. Um, and, you know, some of the things that's been said this week or that I've read have just sort of left a bad taste in my mouth. But, you know, there's always there's always something that happens to 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 put a, a, a bright spot at the end of that tunnel when you 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 feel like the, the darkness is closing in around you. And this morning I'm actually driving uh, to a customer meeting. And was sitting in just gridlock traffic and, you know, got a, a, a message on my phone. And the first chance I got, you know, when I uh, was off the road and pulled it up, it was a message from Ryan Smith. I think you and you know him, correct? I have shot with Ryan quite a bit. He's a member of the MLA and, and uh, a, um, a uh, fellow uh, St. Joel Riverbow shooter. Oh, is he? Uh, I didn't know yes, that. Yes, and and quite a while. In fact, when uh, I don't know if he got his first or I got mine first. Um, I was I was looking. I think I might have shot his bow before I bought mine. Um, but yeah, I, I know him. I know him well. I've seen him and his family at several events. Well, he just so he sent a message. He took the time this morning to type a, a message, and I'm gonna read it because I I asked him if he would mind. He said absolutely not. But he sent a message to the to the traditional outdoors Facebook page, and uh, it, it in in his words it said, "I wanted to send this over Messenger for you guys to post if desired." I took this ten twenty eight buck on public land, so he's on on October twenty eighth. He took a nice, I can't tell by the picture, looks like maybe a six point, maybe an eight point uh, buck on public land. Uh, He says, I'm hunting the edge of a large swamp that funnels movement. I wanted to let you know that listening to this podcast really helped keep me going this summer. And I use things I learned on here to take this deer from scouting to era setup. I knew some of the stuff, but hearing it talked about in depth can rekindle things you haven't tried in a while. And then he goes into talking about his, um, his, his era setup and the, you know, the, the 12 principles of Ashby and um, using a centaur broadhead and these era weight and all that stuff. But anyway, he just ended with thanks for the inspiration. And, you know, when you see stuff like that, it kind of makes you smile and you, you forget about all the, all this stuff that's really <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. pulling you down. But so yep. anyway, I wanted to share that and just say, Ryan, 
you have no idea how much, you know, getting a message like that means to both Nick and I, we really do appreciate it. Um, please keep in touch. And, you know, if there's ever anything you want to hear on the show, reach out to us and let us know. So. Sure. And, uh, and you know, first cut is the deepest. We, like I, like you said, we haven't had one yet and it's going to happen more. And, but you know, it's, uh, it's cool that you did that, Ryan. We really appreciate it. Really was. And we'll let it go at that. And we'll, like I say, we'll end that little chat on a positive note. (laughs) And then I want to get into our guests. So, um, We've got uh, Mr. David Thompson joining us tonight. Uh, David's a, a, a self-bow warrior. He's got some pretty unique hunting methods. He he also um, is a, a big turkey hunter, loves to make turkey calls, and he even has a, a spring turkey camp each year. And we're going to try to get into a little bit of all of that. But uh, welcome to the show, David. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. So, I, you know, let's just kind of jump in here. I know, I think Nick knows you a little bit better than I do. I, I'm, uh, first time I've actually spoken to you is tonight. I know we, we traded emails a little bit, but, you know, give us, give us and the listeners a, a little bit of background, how you, how you got into bow hunting and, and what your, what your traditional and primitive journey has been. Well, like a lot of guys, I started out archery as a teenager uh, with a compound and then was given a, a recurve by a friend of a friend and, and just slowly but surely decided to hang up the wheels and and then went from traditional and, and dove headfirst into primitive archery. And it's been a good 20-plus year journey. And uh, as I said, just kept getting deeper and deeper into to primitive archery to the point where I started making my own bows and, and all my own equipment. And at what point did, uh, I know you've got a, a website, a, a small web store. When, when, did that, uh, when did that start? Well, I've, probably, I've been making bows for right around eight or nine years. Uh, I never got super serious about it. Mostly just made bows for friends and, and uh, friends of friends. And uh, once I got the bows down to the point where I, I was confident with those and I started making my own calls and, and that's where it kind of really took off when I started making game calls. And, and that website is sharpstonearchery.com. I should have mentioned yes. that yep. right at the beginning and I kind of, kind of forgot about it. But uh, so anybody interested in checking out your, your calls or any of that stuff, can can always go to the the website and check that out. Now, do you? And I forgive me, I haven't spent a lot of time looking at the site. I did I did pull it up briefly. Do you? Now, do you sell bows as well, or do you mostly do the boyer um, stuff for yourself, or do you sell those also? I mostly just sell the turkey calls. Okay. Funny story about that. So we should back up a minute because uh, Dave actually lives right down the road from me, and. Um, it was funny, and, and you know, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, if I don't remember this right, <laughs> but uh, we, I mean, this was, this was a while ago. This was like, um, I think I, I, I got into a self-bow building phase before my second daughter, Mackenzie, was born, I'm pretty sure. It was quite um, a while ago. That yeah, we and she's six now, so I remember... I, I was on primitive archer a lot and I just got the traditional Bowyer's Bibles and I just made my first board bow. And I think I had posted it on primitive archer and you commented on it. And then I got a private message from you later 
because you were posting some bows and I'd commented on it too. And you said, Hey, I, you, I live right down the road, you know, we should meet up. And I remember yeah. I went over to your house and you had your, your, your garage was absolutely filled with sawdust and tools and blanks and all kinds of stuff laying around and your lathe. And I got one of your first buck calls, I think, didn't I? You did. That yeah. was when I, I, that was really an experimental call. I, I think I had probably only made three or four at that point. Yeah, I call it the bitty buck call because it's like a lighter, because you were like, I didn't quite get this the way I wanted to. And it makes like, a, um, I mean, I have a really deep call that's ridiculous. I call Zeus because when you blow on it, I'm like, there's nothing anywhere in this property <laughs> that would come anywhere near this buck if I saw this off. Uh, but that one was lighter and I've actually used that one quite a bit because it sounds like a younger, like a younger buck running. It's um, good to hear it's still, uh, still operating. Oh yeah. It's in the, it's in my hunting bag. It's kind of funny, but, um, yeah, I thought that was interesting to, you know, and I wanted to bring that up because it's just funny how people meet and, um, and then I kind of got out of, uh, I got out of the primitive archery things after we had Mackenzie, I just had no time. Um, yeah. And we didn't really talk for a while because I just, well, I wasn't really building bows. You know, we keep track, but, uh, yeah, then you kind of built your, your business up and started making more calls. But, um, what, what was it that got you into building the primitive bows? Like what, I mean, did you, did you happen upon, did you have woodworking skills before? Did you happen upon the traditional bowyer's Bible or primitive archer? How did that all happen? I've done just a ton of woodworking in the past ever, as, as a kid grandpa's wood shop he was a, a wood lathe turner uh, that wood lathe that you mentioned there when you first came to my house was actually my grandpa's old wood lathe uh, i don't have it anymore but uh that I, I basically got into it from from grandpa um and just continued that on in my adult life and then at some point i the recurve that I had been hunting with, which was pushing 60 years old, uh, finally decided that it wasn't going to, it wasn't huntable anymore. It was more of a wall piece. And uh, I kind of got into making my own bows out of necessity. Uh, just at the time was, didn't have money to go buy a new one. And I said, you know what, I think I can just make one. And, and I did. And it just kind of progressed from there. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you don't want to get too much into this, you know, you don't have to, but I remember at the time you had told me that your house had actually had a pretty bad fire and you lost quite a bit of bows, right? I did. Yes. I, we had a house fire that started in the garage slash wood shop. And, uh, I think it was right after that was when we met Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, I lost, I want to say close to a dozen bows. I had one one bow that survived that fire, which I still have, and and still shoots, still hunt with it occasionally. Yeah, that one was pretty cool. You had kind of a cool story with that. I don't know if you were turkey hunting with that at the time or or what. Um, but uh, do you? Um, so do you? Uh, what about uh, now on your? Do you use primitive arrows too? Do you? Do you? Uh, or you just make your wood arrows, or do you use cane or anything? I thought you you were dabbling with a few things there. I've used all the above. I, uh, I've used multiple types of wood arrows, uh, cedar, poplar, spruce. Uh, I have done the, the bamboo or the river cane. Um, 
and it really depends on the day. I've got more arrows than I can count that I've built over the years that depending on which bow I'm hunting with, I'll, I'll grab the arrows that shoot best with that bow. Oh, cool. How many bows do you think you got right now? Not as many as I used to. I think I've got right around a dozen right now. Oh, a dozen? I, I mean, do you do you make the same kind of bow usually, or do you kind of stick to one basic design, or, or do you, you know, do you, do you do any, like, back sets, or you just, like, flat bows, or, like, what what do you like to... Or you just kind my, of go with where the wood takes you. My preference is really making short, bendy handle bows that are are more of a Native American style. Well, now, now you now you got my interest. <laughs> <laughs> so the in fact the uh, I'm a I'm an unaccomplished self bow boyer. Um, <laughs> I think I've managed to make two or three that that were functional, but. Um, Two of the one that I one that I built and one that a, a friend of mine made for me are both the the Eastern Woodland Indian style bend through the handle, almost like basically it's a stick, but yeah, uh, yeah, they shoot really well. Absolutely, my favorite style of bow to make and shoot. I uh, I just love how short they I, that you can get them. Uh, I think my shortest bow is forty two inches. Now it only has about a 20 inch draw on it, uh, but that bow I hunted turkeys with in South Dakota was not successful. But uh, but I just love the short bendy handle bows. They're so light and easy to to go through the woods with, and just love them. Now neither and neither of mine are really short. Mine are a bit longer. The one that my buddy built for me. Uh, Mark Troy built it for me. It's um, it's hickory rawhide backed, and he did some Native American artwork and so forth on it. And I don't remember the length of that bow. I want to say it's 66, 68, something like that. And then the one that I built myself, in fact, I'm actually planning to do rawhide backing on it, and I've got the rawhide. I just haven't taken the time to actually apply it and do it. But um, I used uh, Eastern Dogwood on that okay. one. Hardest wood I've ever put a draw knife to in my life That's good um, stuff. Yeah. what what woods are you using for for the bows that you're making well right now i have an overabundance of white ash uh, so the good majority of the bows i'm making are out of ash uh, i have a lot of uh i've i've used osage but don't have access to a ton of it Hickory is another one. Maple is great. That's there's usually an overabundance of, of maple, and that makes a perfectly good bow too. Mm-hmm. Um, hornberry, hornbeam. I mean, I'm sorry. Is another one. Some people call it ironwood. Oh yeah, hop hornbeam. Yeah, hop horn. Yeah. Well, there's I, a hop hornbeam. I horn did ironwood bow too. And... Beam. Oh really? Slightly I didn't know there was a difference between the two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, one of them almost killed me. <laughs> I, I, I had an awesome bow roughed out and um, I bought a draw knife and I was all really giddy about it. And uh, I'm like, well, I'm just going to take this draw knife. And I drew a little, you know, right down the grain there. And I, I was going to, I was going to take it down. And this was in the roughing out stage. And um, I caught 
it had a wicked twist in it. Okay. And I caught that twist and it took, it split the whole stave in half in almost like a Twizzlers configuration. <laughs> I mean, just whipped it right around. And I ended up, I ended up making a bow out of that bow. Really? I handle one. Yep. And I, and I decorated it. It's one of my favorites. Um, I don't know. The tiller looks really funky. It's tillered and it's fine, but, and it pulls about, um, I want to say 45 pounds, uh, been through the handle and I had to fix, um, there was some big holes in it that I had to repair and, um, patch it and stuff like that. And it actually did a pretty good job for not knowing too much about it. It was the first stave bow I did and I liked it, but man, that wood was hard to work with just scraping. It took, I mean, it, it it's was, tough, was yeah. chalky and, I just had the file skittered a lot and it was something, but that's a tough wood to work with, but it makes an incredible bow. If you get one out of it, I've got a few bows that I've made and a a couple that a friend has made out of ironwood. And if you look at them, you just think how in the world did, did a bow come out of that piece of wood, but it, it works and it shoots and just love it. And Steve's is gorgeous too. I'm actually waiting for Steve to hunt with his. He's got some cane arrows too. He's got one of the most balanced cane arrows with a stone point I've ever seen. And I'm like, when are you going to fletch that thing up and actually shoot it? <laughs> oh, I've got them fletched up. I, I just, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'll, I'll say I'm going to do it and I've just, I've got too many bows. That's, I think that's my biggest problem. You, you do. You got too- quite the harem and, and, <laughs> and collecting, collecting more. Uh, but yeah, those, I'm sure we, you and I have talked about doing a primitive hunt at some point too. Um, I've had a, I've had my hickory bow out twice, uh, but I've never, didn't have a chance to shoot anything with it. But, uh, what about, um, Dave, what about heads? Do you, do you do any napping? I've tried to nap arrowheads and and I'll, I, I'll admit that I'm horrible at it. I, I end up with a pile of rubble. So I, I have a few friends that are really good at it and so i just let them do that and then i i make my own arrows with their heads i've got i know a few guys that if i'm still waiting on a, a set of arrowheads from a friend of mine in iowa that you know i told him i need some that are right around 160 grains and he can get me a set you know plus or minus five grains and he's he's real good at it and I'm waiting for those to show up. So I just leave it to the experts on that. So you're still pretty tied into that community then, huh? Are those like Absolutely. All, yeah. those all yeah. primitive archer people? Yes. Yes. Like from the actual group, I mean. Um, cuz you were you are you I don't know if you were doing some horse trading for for a while or something, but uh, you were telling me about all the meetups and stuff and and stuff like that. And I thought, "Wow, what a cool culture and community." Yeah, it is. It's great. And I, I, I really enjoy it. There's, I've, I've made quite a few friends over the years in that group of people and on that website, uh, have, you know, that's where, where you and I met, uh, friend of mine up North. Uh, there's quite a few guys from Michigan here. Uh, and I've met quite a few guys, the guy in Iowa, uh, South Dakota, where I went turkey hunting a couple of years ago up in the Black Hills. Uh, he's a friend from, from primitive archer and i really enjoy the community and and uh, looking forward to to sticking in sticking with it and creating yeah. more lasting relationships so you mentioned the, the primitive archer um community are there any other organizations or or groups that you're a member of 
I need to re-up my membership on the MLA. Yeah, you do. Uh, I was I was a member <laughs> last year, and then just uh, I haven't re-upped this year yet. And I know this year's almost over, but but I've been meaning to to dive into that group of guys too. And I know basically just by talking to Nick and, and hearing stories and, and reading stuff from him, uh, I definitely need to to get in more involved in that group also. Yeah. Do you um do you go to the Marshall shoot? I don't usually. Well, I am shocked because uh, you know, more and more people. I have never been either, so you're not you're not alone. But the a lot of the MLA folks, more and more people are kind of gravitating, you know, towards that that Marshall Primitive shoot, and um, they you know they all just say it's just it's awesome. Um, yeah, and it's definitely picked up steam quite a bit. I'd like to go to that sometime. But yeah, you got to check that one out. And that's not a group, but that's basically a group. Absolutely, like and I know all the enthusiasts. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of guys from Primitive Archer that that already go to that 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 give me a hard time for not showing up. <laughs> Especially, yeah, it's not that far away. I mean, and, and it's like it's basically Michigan O-Jam. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, and and just on a really cool, um, really cool property. Um, I've always wanted to go, but it always coincides with an MLA youth event. And they, and they always need help at it. And I've kind of, I've kind of done that. Um, but one of these days I'm going to, I'm going to go over there and, and do that. But uh, yeah. So, uh, so that's, that's awesome, man. Do you, now you've mentioned turkey hunting quite a few times. You're, you're, so you're, that's got it. That's kind of like your main thing, huh? That's kind of my main passion. Yeah. I, I, I would, it's safe to say that I enjoy turkey hunting more than I enjoy deer hunting. And, you, have, you, you have to explain to Steve why that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, and, and I know we you you mentioned that something about that in the email when we were going back and forth about uh, getting a turkey with a bow. Um, I can't speak for Nick. The reason I can tell you exactly why I have not shot a turkey with a bow. Was I don't hunt turkey. <laughs> so I, I've tried it a couple of times. I just I I can't get fired up about it. So I usually end up spending the time either chasing hogs or, or scouting for fall deer season. In, in, go ahead, Dave. I was just going to say, we don't have too many hogs up here in Michigan to chase around. And if we did, I'm sure I'd be chasing them also. Mm-hmm. But I do love turkey hunting. And I really started to, to really enjoy it when, to be honest, when my kids were, were real small. And what I noticed in a hurry was, it tends to be a little more laid back and as far as getting children and, and people that have never hunted before, maybe into hunting, turkey hunting is a, is a real good, good way to get into hunting in general. And mm-hmm. Well, it's not laid back when John and I do it, <laughs> <laughs> but we, okay. So I have a, I mean, I've had opportunity I've missed. I mean, I've written, but I I've written about missing, you know, at least four turkeys now. Um, and we've been after it, you know, a few years. I mean, something different. Well, we, (laughs) we could do that. And I'm sure John's going to laugh listening to this, but John, John's always got a sailing saying, and he always says, everybody always tells him, you know, you should do it. And John has killed birds. John has killed birds with guns. Um, 10th Legion. He's a shotgun guy. He was for quite a while. Okay. Um, but when he got into longbows, he went full into it mm-hmm. and decided 
this is what I want to do. And John was always a running gun turkey hunter. Absolutely. Um, yep. You know, break them up, call them, you know, put them to bed, call them, you know, get, get out there early, you know, get sit, sit against a tree, you know, maybe put a deke out. That's the way John's always hunted them and loves hunting them that way. That's what I love to read about. And when I got into turkey hunting, that's what I started doing because that's what the stuff I was reading. I never, I didn't have a blind. I didn't have land. I didn't have anything. So, I mean, it was mainly like, this is the way I'm going to do it. And I just did it with a longbow. And I had a lot, I had a lot of fun, a lot of close encounters. Um, and then when John and I started doing it together, um, we kind of had this, you know, one of the, one of the chapters in my books called the oath. And that one is basically like every year we, you know, the last, the last few years we've said, maybe we should take shotguns out, you know, maybe <laughs> we should do it this way, you know, where, and John's kind of said, no, I want to do it. His things like, I want to do it my way. I could do it a different way, but I want to do it my way. I want to do it run and gun with bows and I'm not going to stop until I get one. And that's kind of, Go ahead. I was just going to say, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah, well, we've been chasing a lot of turkeys. <laughs> we've been getting a lot of close calls. Um, we we just, one of these days, we're going to seal the deal and do it. Um, it's just one of those things. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I'd rather chase birds and miss, you know, I mean, I then, you know, to do most things. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure I'd love elk hunting too. Um, the way I feel when I hear a gobble is just, you know, Absolutely. it just, cha- just changes everything. So what got you into turkey hunting, man? I think part of the reason that I enjoy turkey hunting so much is because I'm, I'm fairly certain I was born in the wrong region of this country. And, and me sitting in a tree stand for four hours tends to be a little... A little hard for me to do so the the whole run and gun idea of chasing birds around a little more active and and up on my feet and I, I tend to be more of a spot and stock kind of guy when it comes to deer also and uh just yeah just sitting in a tree stand is, is tough for me but what got me into turkey hunting was a friend of mine uh, i've known this guy for gosh, going on 25 years and he was a turkey hunter and and he just said, Hey, let's go turkey hunting. And I, at the time was like, didn't matter what we were hunting. said, sure. Yeah, let's go. And on day one, we, we were right into birds and all kinds of action and just progressed from there and, and have never stopped. Uh, I think I told you in a text last week, this past spring was the first time I had missed a season that since I started turkey hunting over 20 years ago. I was going to ask you how long you'd been turkey hunting. I don't know exactly, but I know it's been over 20 years. It's been a long time. And you run a, a a turkey hunting clinic in the spring too, right? Yes. And that got started. A friend of mine from the primitive archer site would do a, a spring turkey camp in the black Hills of South Dakota every year. And I got invited to that one year and, and went out there and just thought, man, this is just great. You know, I just a group of guys out there, all primitive equipment, chasing birds through the Black Hills. And it was just a blast. And I just loved it. And and the following year, he wasn't able to do it. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to see how this goes. I'm going to try it here in Michigan. And 
in the first year I did it, there, there was only a few of us, uh, but we had a good time and didn't get any birds that year. But and then the second year would have been this this past spring, but I wasn't able to. So we're gonna get it started back up next spring. Uh, and basically, it's just an opportunity to gather up some friends and and chase some birds around with sticking a string and. And just hang out and have a good time, do a little camping, maybe a little fishing, and just yep. enjoy the outdoors. Now, is there anything on your on your website about that, David? There's about not the clinic. Okay. At the moment, no. So you're calling it a clinic, though. Like it's not just a camp. It's an actual like you're. It's a get together kind of thing. Like an actual- right now, it's a, it's a camp. I, I I'd like to say at some point I would love to see it turn into a clinic uh i would love to i've been trying to get introduce more people into hunting um you know and, and get a lot of guys like the two of you who have never taken a bird or just don't quite appreciate turkey hunting as much as they should steve uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'd love to see it turn into that that'd be great if he came all the way to, over here from Georgia to Turkey Hunt, I would have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> you, and and I'll be honest that that I think if I find the right catalyst, I just I might enjoy it. But you know, trying it, uh, I don't know. Like I said, I've tried it by myself multiple times. I've never tried turkey hunting with somebody else. So you know, maybe that would be that. Maybe that would be something that would change my. My, and it's not even an attitude. It's just, and I'll tell, I've, I've said this before on the podcast, but uh, the last time I seriously attempted turkey hunting, I ended up having a turkey in front of me at, I don't know, 15 yards, maybe, probably 10 yards, 10, 10 to 15 yards. And I realized I, I just, I wasn't even excited about it. My, my heart rate wasn't up. I, I didn't feel nervous and I never, I, I never even pulled the string. I mean, I had tension on the string, but I never even attempted to make a shot. I just, I, like I said, I just didn't feel like it was right for me to shoot that animal just so I could say I'd shot a turkey um, because I just didn't, I didn't have a, I just didn't have a desire to kill it. So it was, it was better off just to. Do he's what check, I did. He, go back to scouting. He, he's checking. <laughs> I was going to say he's checking white tail sign. He's out there. He's like, yeah. oh, I might as well just get my license. I'm out here anyway. If I see a bird, well, you know. <laughs> and, and that's just it. I get so fired up about a white tail. Mm-hmm. No buck doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I shoot. It, it you know, uh, I, I, I just get so fired up about it. And when I didn't feel that way about the, and even hogs, I get fired up about hogs, but something about the Turkey just doesn't excite me. <laughs> and maybe it's like I said, maybe it's just, I'm doing it wrong. Obviously everybody else has the secret. And I just don't know it. <laughs> well, I gotta say, I know part, part of the reason that I enjoy it so much is because of the, the friendships that were created over Turkey hunting. And it's, it's real easy to, to, to hunt with a partner and there's a lot more interaction with your friends while you're turkey hunting than, you know, deer hunting is you can't really talk and mm-hmm. walk and, and move around a whole lot. And right. Yep. So I, I enjoy that aspect of it also. Well, I think a lot of that's what kind of got me into it too was, you know, I was so used to sitting super still in the woods for long periods of time hunting whitetails. And when I first started hunting turkeys, it was kind of like 
no holds barred kind of thing. It was, it was like, okay, here we go. I know they sense not really an issue. They can see real well. They're real skittish. And they are basically, you know, the masters of Murphy's law. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so for a bird that seems really stupid, they're good at staying alive. Um, they are, but, yes. <laughs> but one, once I got, and you know, I didn't even really even get it at first too until I heard that first gobble. Then after that, I was like, there's something about, and I'd heard turkeys gobble and saw turkeys strutting. I think everybody's seen a turkey in a field strutting or on the side of the road. or I mean, they're right in people's yards here in Rockford, all over the place. They are, yeah. There's dirt everywhere. Um, and I saw a whole flock right down at the intersection, right on the river the other day from West River Drive and Northland. And there was like four big birds in there. And I was like, what is happening? Like, I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, um, there's just something about it. There's just something about it. I feel like there's it, more of a, it's, it, it's really a free way to hunt. And you cover some ground. John and I have covered ground just, you know, and. and Absolutely. Yeah. That's and, the best part about it. Like yeah. I, I mean. It's super, and you never know what they're going to do. So there's that random, like, you hear them, so they're ever-present. But you never know what they're going to do, where they're going to go. And and you just sit in the woods trying to outthink them for a long period of time. And then you go home and you think about, well, where might they be tomorrow? Um, what might, what should my set be tomorrow? Um, are there, you know, and then you might show up and everything's good. Then you got another hunter with their setup over there. And that changes everything. Or maybe Absolutely. they maybe they fly down the opposite side of the ridge than you think they're going to. Um, and here's here's the other thing. Sorry to interrupt. And oh, I, go I, for I, it, man. You, you mentioned another hunter in the woods turkey hunting, and what I've noticed over the years is, you know, when you run into another hunter in the woods and you're both deer hunting, there's not a whole lot of friendship going on there. But if you run into another turkey hunter in the woods, I don't know. There seems to be more of a Hey man, there's a bird over there. I've been calling at him for two hours. He won't come into me. Maybe you should go try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um, we had a we had a, I wouldn't say a bad encounter last year, but it was more of a, I don't know if we had somebody who was kind. Of, we had we had four different groups of hunters working the area we were in. This was um this was over by Kalamazoo. We all knew we were there. Yeah, I mean, we saw the cars and usually if you see a truck, you keep moving, you know, they're yeah. there, you know, and we've had a couple, there were some big fields where we didn't even know the other person was there. They didn't know we were there until we got up from our sit, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just a matter of where are these turkeys going to come out on this field, you know, um, but it's usually pretty cordial. Um, whereas you're right, deer feels like it's just cutthroat. You know, where in my experience, it, it usually is, yeah, yep. Um, especially if you got people hanging stands or whatever on public land and whatnot, it gets a little cutthroat, like they've sure, scouted sure. it, yeah. And you know, with birds, though, they're so random that they could be it's you're really you're, you're playing a chess game, absolutely. So, you know, it's 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 you're right, it is a little bit different, and and you're right about the social aspect of it, too. Like, John and I, I think, have way more fun just. I, I think we it's it's a trip just to be in the woods with a buddy, you know, and in in doing that, you know, one's calling, another one's calling, or you come up with a game plan. It's kind of the neat element to it, where you know, with whitetails, you say you you wake up, you have a cup of coffee with your friend, you know, you go into the woods, you hey, I'll see you at noon, you know, you Good might luck. share yep. you might share a couple text messages or whatever, 
but it's not the same kind of thing. And I, I kind of like fly fishing for that reason. Like I can fly fish myself, but it's fun with a friend. For like, sure. You know, but yeah, I think that's, I think that's kind of why I'm into it, but I think that sounds like a lot of fun, man. And a clinic would be really cool. Yeah. You were, you were talking about um, having that win. It was like the second week of May, maybe third week I, of May. I, I think that's what we're shooting for right now. Second or third week of May. And I, the only reason is because the Michigan has that guaranteed tag in the month of May. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that make, I, I invite quite a few guys from out of state. So that guaranteed tag kind of helps out a lot. If yep. you guys know for sure, they're going to get a tag instead of having to hope that they draw a tag. Yep. So no what's your, what's your favorite state to hunt? I gotta be honest. I've hunted two states, uh, South Dakota and, and Michigan. And, uh, man, as of right now, South Dakota, for sure. Uh, we, we camped and, and hunted up in the black Hills and I just loved it out there. Like I said, I'm pretty sure I was born in the wrong region of this country. Um, <laughs> and I, I do love Turkey hunting, Michigan. There's a lot of birds in this state. Um, as far as deer hunting goes in this state, it, you know, it's, if you don't have private land, it's it's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm seeing that more and more. The other bummer about turkey hunting in the state, though, is that I wish you could apply for uh, multiple tags in in different areas. It, it, it stinks that you have to commit to one area, and you get your one tag, you know, and that's and that's it. Even if it there's does, leftover, yeah. even if there's leftover tags, I feel like I, even if you could just get another tag, if there was leftover tags, you know, after well, the done you know but it's a bummer because you might have a couple places yeah if one's if there's no birds in one or something happens and there's just nothing or it's over now there is uh i I can't remember what area it is but there's basically the southern half of the lower peninsula where i want to say their quota for birds every spring is is usually right around 40 or forty-five thousand tags um but the majority of that is for private land only. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I believe in the past, I don't know, I don't know if it's going to be the same way going forward. But you, you used to be able to buy a tag every day until that quota runs out. But again, that was for private land only. So if you don't have private land to hunt, then you're yeah, you're stuck with one tag, and that's all you got. Yeah, we John and I talk about this all the time. We kind of wish they'd reevaluate that because the population isn't quite what it used to be when when it was sparse and we had to bring them back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I know that you know you're also you're also big into deer hunting too, and you do it in kind of a a um, an interesting way. And when you when you told me that you you were going on a float hunt, I was like, what? Like I've heard people say that fishing i've heard a lot of people it's it's kind of a, a, yeah. a big thing um really i've yeah. never heard of it before yeah. i mean i've heard of it but like more of a primitive thing i've never heard of it like around here well i mean i, I assuming assuming it's what i think I and mean, you know will it will let david kind of explain it but as far as you know using using a canoe or something like that to gain access to uh, you know waterlock tracks or or hard to access tracks because of water yeah that's that's a that's a pretty, I don't want to say it, it, it's a well-known thing. And there's a lot of people that talk about it. Um, 
I don't really have many areas here that I can do that, but there's a lot of people that do it. Now, is that, is that what you're talking about, David, when you talk about float hunting? Yes. Uh, there's a lot of, well, I, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's, there's quite a few areas I'd say within an hour of, of us that, uh, just throw a canoe or a kayak in the water and, and get on some of these smaller creeks that are off of a main river or that run through state land. Uh, there's quite a few areas that you can get to that the guys just are not going to, there's not too many guys out there that are going to put on a pair of chest waders to go deer hunting. So it gives you access to areas that, that most guys won't get into. That's probably the biggest advantage of it. And and that's probably the main reason, main reason I do it um, to try and get away from the crowds a little bit. The other thing is it, it gives you the, the ability to get back into those areas quietly without uh, causing too much noise and ruckus through the woods and, and trying to get back there. Now, are you using a canoe for most of this? Currently, I have a canoe, yep. I, when I first started float hunting, I had a kayak, and I've recently switched to a canoe. Uh, just gives you a little more mobility as far as sitting up, standing up, moving around in, inside the canoe. Uh, I can haul a little bit more gear. Now, are you, are, are, are you taking in, so is it just, is it just your, your, your bow and you know, what, whatever additional clothing you may need for the day? Are you, um, are you carrying a stand in? I know you said you, you prefer, uh, stalking and still hunting. Are you, are you mostly doing that? Or are you carrying a stand and this stuff to actually get up in a tree as well? Or does it depend? To be honest right now, I don't even own a tree stand. I uh, haven't had one in a few years and I really don't miss them a whole lot right now. I'm sometimes I'll sit right in the canoe and, and hunt right from the canoe. Other times I'll, I'll pull the canoe up on shore and, and almost do kind of a similar to a run and gun tactic for turkey hunting. You know, it, it gives you the ability to, you can get into an area, hop out of the canoe, go for a short walk, do some calling. Uh, do a little scouting, and if there's no action, hop back in the canoe, go downstream, and and do the same thing in another spot. Mm. So take us through the process of how you how you scout for something like this, where you're locating areas to to float hunt. Like how how do you how do you go about doing that? Maps, uh, online maps. Uh, you know, mostly the. DNR website. Uh, you look for state game areas that have water, creeks, rivers, lakes. Okay, so you're just doing that, and then you're just kind of, uh, you know, picking a few st- spots to check out on the topo, and then just kind of floating in and trying it. Like, yeah, yeah, and, and and quite often in the past, what I've done is, you know, I'll I'll see an area on on the map and go, okay, it's in the summer or in the spring, I'll go do some fishing. And while I'm doing fishing, I'll, yeah, I'm going to go check this area and see if this is even, see if I, if I can even get my canoe back there. Uh, you know, some of these creeks, some of my favorite spots, we're talking about creeks that are, that the canoe really barely even fits down. One of my favorite spots is we got water that's maybe six inches deep and I 
there's a few spots where I'm not even using the paddle. I'm, I'm pulling on trees off the shoreline of this Creek. It's so small in some spots. Yeah. That's kind of what I envisioned uh, when you were telling me about this. And you know, it's funny that you mentioned like while you're fishing, because I swear every single time I've fly fished this, this spring and summer where I've gotten out of the water um, in like a random spot, you know, up and down the road river or wherever um, there's I deer runs beds. I swear I climb out into a bed almost every time. Every <laughs> time. Guaranteed. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this is a thick bedded area and I don't even know how they got in here, Yeah, but nobody would ever come back there because it's so thick and so nasty. And I mean, I get turned around, lose my net, you know, you have to take my rod down, like all guys get turned around. And I mean, you're not talking about a whole lot of land. Yeah. Um, not, not much land between a road or a road or the, or the river or a trail. Right. Right. Um, but there's just thick with deer sign. Uh, and I was like, what is going on here? I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, that, and that's how I started getting clued in on this too. The same thing, fishing on these streams and in these rivers and seeing all the sign and going, man, I, I got to get back here somehow and go hunting back here. Well, you know, plenty, plenty to eat, plenty of yeah. cover, plenty of cover. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some urban areas down here and Steve, I was thinking about that, uh, that interview you did with, with uh, Crispin, um, mm-hmm. where, I mean, you're bordering, I mean, you'll, you'll turn a bend in a river and there's houses, you know, you'll, or there's the white pine trail or there's, you know, something else, you know, and the, or, or, you know, if you go to the Muskegon river or you go to the Pier Marquette or wherever there's, I mean, you're, you're always between that, that land always lays out, but you know, between public and, and, and private really fast. Yeah. For so sure. that's, always, that's always been my like whole kind of like reservation about it. Like, wow, you know, you could probably, cause I've thought several times, you know, I could hang a stand in here. I could get in here and do a ground blind. You know, I could even walk down the river to get in here where I need to be. And it, it would be perfect. But I always think, man, that's gotta be tough. Cause I don't know where this thing's going to go after I shoot it. You ever, you ever think about that or, or had an experience with that? Well, I, tr- I try to really stick with areas that are surrounded by state land or or national forest a little more remote yeah yeah try to obviously you know in in the southern half of michigan property uh, private property and and houses and building complexes are hard to avoid down here but Mm -hmm. there are some areas where you can get back to and and not have to worry about that too much so what gave you the idea to do it like what made you want to do it Years ago, uh, a guy that that had taken a recurve bow for me and he had refurbished it and checked it over, and this was way back before I started getting into building bows and really didn't know anything about it. I was given this recurve and, and I said, man, can you take a look at this thing and, and even tell me if it's even shootable? Because at the time it was, I don't remember, it was a 40-year-old bow. And so he took a look at it and said, man, this thing is in great shape. Go ahead and and shoot it, hunt with it, enjoy it. And after talking to him for a while, we got talking and trading hunting stories. And and he said, man, I go on a a float hunt every year with a friend of mine. 
and every year they'd take a deer on this float hunt and that's where i really got the idea and uh i said man i gotta do that one of these days and just never did and i want to say it was i don't know six or eight years ago when i finally was like okay this it's got to happen i was just sick of running into people in the in the woods and and fighting over hunting spots and so i gotta get away from the crowd a little bit and and did it and loved it and enjoyed it and had a lot of run-ins with animals and at this point this year i haven't done anything but float hunt this year really yeah i I know i haven't been out too many times yet this year but every time i've been out was was with the canoe now are you are you going in before before light or are you waiting until it's till it's light so that you can see you know where you're going How, how are you how are you navigating Usually I'll go in after the sun comes up, but there's been times where I've, I know there's a lake not too far from here where I can just drop in at the boat launch and paddle across the lake. And when I get to the to the mouth of this little creek, I, I will just hang out and wait until the, there's at least a little bit of light so I can see where I'm going. Hmm. Interesting. Steve, have you ever, have you ever thought about doing anything like that? Man, I know you like to go to remote places and you're always, you love finding creeks and stuff that you can cross because you know, somebody won't go there. Now, well, this I, is I, something I, you do. Yeah. I chuckled to myself a little bit when, when David, when you said, you know, most hunters won't, won't use chest waders cause I've done it a <laughs> lot. <laughs> um, in fact, a couple, and, and I haven't done it, haven't done it in the last couple of years. Um, I had a, a a bit of a scare, uh, twenty sixteen. Uh, so went to went across a creek. Normally, it's um, you can normally you can cross it in in just standard rubber boots, and it, you know you have to be careful. You have to cross in the right place, but you can find a place that you can cross. But the it's right next to uh, a fairly large river, so within a hundred yards of the river is where I normally cross. So if you have any uh, heavy rains, river swells, it pushes back yeah. up into the creek. Mm-hmm. And me and uh, Brandon, buddy of mine, we had been crossing this thing and we were bringing waders to cross it. <laughs> and I want to say it was late November. It was it was really cold for here. You know, I mean, I'm, it was probably in the 20s, upper 20s. And I went in one morning and I had my, my chest waders, and, but the, it was it was a lot higher than I had ever seen it. And I've got, you know, I've got my bow, I've got stand on my back. I've got all my, all my gear. I'm planning on going across and spending the day. And I got about halfway across and Nick seen this Creek. And I would say bank to bank, it's probably, I don't know, uh, 40 foot wide, something like that, 30 to 40 foot wide. And I got about halfway across it and the sediment had built up so that, I mean, I, I came within an inch of the top of my waders and I couldn't move. Um, a pitch black dark, I've got all this weight on my back and I, uh, I didn't know what to do there for a few minutes and finally, um, used my, used my bow and was able to finally get across this thing. And when I actually came back across that, that night, I went up the Creek probably, I don't know, probably half a mile. Uh, to find a place to cross because it, it really did scare me. I mean, it, it, yeah, I bet. It, was, it was close to being a very dangerous, very bad situation. 
So I bought a canoe and I haven't, I haven't used it because this isn't big enough for, it's one of those, it's in between. It's not, it's, it's not big enough to use a canoe. Um, but there are some areas on that same WMA that, um, I could use a canoe to cross the river to get into some area that probably very few hunt. I just haven't, I haven't done it yet. So there's one other place that, uh, I would, I haven't hunted yet. And Nick, maybe you and I can go do it at some point, but, uh, about an hour from here, there's a chunk of state land. That's there's a chain of lakes. I want to say five or six different lakes. And in the middle of all these lakes, there's an Island and the Island is, is nothing but state land. And, uh, I've been wanting to hunt that little Island for, for quite some time now. And, uh, that's on the, on the list too. We got to get up there and do that. But I think I've heard of that chain, that, that chain of lakes though. In fact, you probably I, have. I think it, I've it, been on one of them. Um, a friend had a cabin there. We went out there swimming and I remember, yeah, it was kind of a really interesting area because they all kind of linked up and, and there were some weird crossings and stuff. I think that's the same place you're talking about. I remember that being about 45 minutes away. Yeah, probably. I didn't even know there was state land over there. Yeah, There's a ton of state land right in that area. If we're talking about the same same area, but probably are. I can't think of any other place that has that the five lakes thing. <laughs> yep. So yeah, interesting. Um, and Nick, I still it, think there's some places around Gun Lake that that could come in handy. Oh, I'm sure. Based on absolutely based on looking at the the topo maps and Google Earth that I've done. Um, but I'm not hauling a canoe all the way to Michigan. <laughs> you're looking all yourself all the way to Michigan. <laughs> well, I knew that I, you know, I, it's funny because like Steve sent me a text yesterday. He sent me a text yesterday and you're like, you got your long boots. And I was like, Oh, all right. He wants to go over a Creek again. <laughs> got some spot. Well, one of the areas that we're, we're hunting has a Creek. It's about, it's not, it's about half as wide as the one that you're familiar with crossing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not as deep unless it's been a lot of rain, but still just leather boots. You're going to get wet feet unless they're really good leather boots. So, um, and I'll tell you this, David, I don't know if I brought this up before may have, I know it's just one of those images that because Nick has hunted with me and knows me, I love telling this story because I know it just makes Nick turn green, but, uh, (laughs) that same Creek that I was telling you about, uh, it's probably been 10 years ago, uh, Actually, it's been longer than that. It's probably been 12 years ago because I was actually at a, a different job at the time, and I was I was having to do a lot of work at late at night, so I wasn't getting a lot of time to hunt. And I went to this property again late November, really cold. Um, finally, got a Saturday that I could that I could hunt, and I showed up and never even thought about the river being uh, flooded. River was flooded. Creek was flooded. I had, I had nothing with me. So I had the choice of either phoning it in and going home or getting across that Creek. It was pitch black, dark and nobody else was there. So I went across the Creek, but I basically stripped down, um, (laughs) and, and bundled my clothes up on my back and crossed it. (laughs) And man, that water was cold, but you know, I got on that side and and used my, my wool pants to, to dry myself off and put my clothes back on. And by the time I got to where I was going to hunt, I was warmed up again. And the only bad part about it was somewhere about two o'clock that afternoon, it hit me that I'd do that crap again to get back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to get home, right? 
<laughs> and didn't see a didn't see a thing the whole day. But you know, it's there are there are those of us out there that don't let many obstacles get in our way. Um, I, and I I'm usually one of those. But it, yeah, we're outnumbered. That's for sure. There's too many guys that just won't won't put a lot of effort into it. We got we got a couple stories in that creek that when I the uh, when uh, the major reward deer that I missed and hit that tree that you cut down and turned into a trophy right after I did that I remember you were I, I was all flustered and I left and I walked out and um, I'm like well you know I'm gonna get the girls some rocks because everywhere I'm always fat Steve laughs at me because I'm like I, I I never get used to like the red clay and the quartz. Yeah. There's quartz everywhere in Georgia, and like we don't see it here. Yep. And so I'm always bringing big chunks of quartz home to the girls, you know, or I find turtle shells or whatever, you know. Yeah. So, so I'm walking down that creek. It was shallower then, and there's some islands in the middle of it. So I had missed that deer, and we and Tom and Steve and I weren't hunting very far apart. We could hear. I know they heard me shoot and hit that tree, and he heard <laughs> us laugh. <laughs> In my head, yeah. So I left and I went out and I was all mad. So I, 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 I just started walking up and down this creek looking for looking for rocks or whatever. So I'm waiting for Steve and Tom to get out of the woods. And um, I was down quite a ways in this ravine because the water was really low. And I was just in this creek and it was about probably up to my ankles or, you know, maybe my calves in some spot. And, you know, I look up and, you know, sure enough, Steve's bopping along the edge of the bank. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Steve, Steve. And he looks down and he goes, what the hell are you doing down there? <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, I thought you were hunting. And I'm like, I was. He goes, did you shoot? And I, I really had to think hard about telling him. <laughs> <laughs> you want to confess that story or not? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I didn't even tell him about the tree. He went and found it. He knew it. <laughs> yeah, we heard. I mean, I heard. I yeah, heard the old. shot. It was loud, and then and then after that, I got blown at too, and it was ridiculous. Uh, I'm pretty sure we all have quite a few of those tree trophies. Uh, yeah, but I don't know how many of us have. Nick has a way, and I, this is he's done this twice. I suck. Nick has a way <laughs> of just really infuriating deer, the, the, the Danny Doe in the area. That that doe, start, we're all sitting there listening to this doe blow at Nick for, I know, 20 minutes. And it, was, it wasn't like it was staying in the same place. It's walking around and just, you know, blowing and blowing and blowing. <laughs> just irritated. And, well, and, and I don't, that was the same year we went to Myrtleless Creek. Um, yep. And the same thing happens. And and we're all so we, we left public property to go to some private land that uh, an acquaintance had invited us to, and it's several hundred acres. And we're again we're spread out a lot more, and all we hear is is this doe blowing at Nick, running all <laughs> over the property, and it's like what what are you doing? Are you insulting these things or what? Are I, you I think she ran. I think she jumped the creek, ran around on the other side, blew the whole time, jumped back across the creek. Went over by me, blew again, jumped back across the creek, and then did it again. And I, ever since that time, because I really thought long and hard about my 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 situation and 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 my my hunting life and and what what has happened to me. And there are so many instances where these deer deer just hate me. When deer know I'm there, they can't they can't handle it. They, yeah, they you know they got to tell everybody. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> me and uh, one of my best friends, we, we constantly joke about the fact that uh, I always say he can't shoot anything unless it's got horns on it. And he always says, well, Dave, you can't shoot anything unless it's got feathers on it. And it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very long running joke. And yeah, sometimes when I'm deer hunting, I, I ask myself, why do I keep doing this to myself? But uh, I love it. Love every minute of it. And it's that, you know, it's that high pitched shriek, you know, kind of thing too, where it's, it's just, you know, you know, I will say that I, I love it when, whenever we go, whenever I go, I love hunting in Georgia near water though. Cause you guys got that river cane and I absolutely love Steve. We've talked about this before, not on here, but I absolutely love hunting in river cane, especially on the ground. Cause I am convinced that deer just cannot. Well, I told you that. Yeah, you you've seen, you've told me even even before I experienced it that when that do that doe blow blew at me, I was in I was sitting in a chair, in the middle of River Cane, and I just had a little bit I had I had little shooting lanes, but I was in the middle of River Cane with my back to that creek, and I had a few deer pass me that I couldn't shoot; they were too far away. But when she came in, she came in the wrong way, and she came in, the wind shifted, and she I, she winded me. But she always come in the wrong way and she couldn't (laughs) see me. She could not see me through that cane. And she was looking at me and looking at me. And we were going to go to, to murder Creek the next day. Murderless or murderless. Yeah. Cause nothing, no murder happened of any kind here. (laughs) So we, we were going to go. That that was the last time we were hunting on this property. And so I didn't care, you know, and I'm sitting there and this doe is trying to pick me out of this cane. And finally I stood up and I just looked at her and she she started flipping out. Oh my God. Cause she she could not figure out what I was, but that cane messed with her so bad. They just, they just can't pick it, pick you out if you're still. Um, Yeah. It was a trip. You know that. that, It sounds a lot like one of my favorite spots with the canoe. I, I, like to park my canoe right in the middle of some uh cattails and just sit and just sit in the front end of my canoe and uh just disappear into those cattails and there's a a runway that crosses the creek where it's only you know the creek's only four or five six inches deep and there's just a massive runway crossing right there and i'd love to hunt that spot oh i bet so do you do you look for um, you're talking about look, using, you know, maps online and so forth. Do you ever use Google earth to look for, um, intersecting trails in that, in that marshy wet area or no? I have. Yes. And it, it works great. Love Google earth. Yeah. I've got, a, I've got Love a few it. I need to, I need to show you Nick, if, cause I know you're still, you're going to, you're going to make the, uh, the hunt up at, um, Yankee Springs this year, right? Yeah, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go at least a day. Yeah, a I got day a, in the morning. I got a few I need to show you. Remind me of that, um, and I'll I'll pull it up on Google Earth and show you exactly where they're at. Because um, you can, if you if you use the the um, historical feature where you can go back in time on Google Earth, um, there's there's some trails around Gun Lake that just jump out at you. Um, hmm. But you you have to know where to look. But uh, Anyway, we, one of the areas that I was going to hunt last time I was up there and just never made it. Um, I'm pretty sure that uh, there's some islands out there that um, John always talks about that we hear birds. And he always says, no, they're not going to get to them. They're on the island. And uh, I'm pretty sure that's just like a marshy like uh, area where I bet you if you canoed across, you do really well. 
Um, do you ever, do you, uh, do you canoe turkey hunting ever, Dave? I, I do, but there's, turkeys are a lot more abundant than deer. And what I've also noticed and what I've also enjoyed about turkey hunting is most people that won't let you deer hunt their property are more than happy to let you come shoot one of their turkeys. Because they're all urban now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And quite often, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, please come to my house and shoot all these turkeys. Um, huh. So there's not really a huge need to get back away from the crowds, you know. That was like when uh, going to wild things, how, how many turkeys are out there, Steve? Just, well, that wild oh. things is covered up with them because yeah, South Carolina. South Carolina has a law that if you're if you're uh, putting out any kind of uh, uh, corn for hogs for anything, you can't turkey hunt on the property. So since he was running that for hog hunting and had the feeders out, nobody could turkey hunt that mm-hmm. over three thousand acres. So it was just covered up with turkeys. And it was a trip for me because I mean, it, you know, you'd sit there and they just all there'd just be flocks walking around. There's so much sign and and just just tons of birds and i didn't know that and i was i was thinking like like i asked i was like yeah why why are there so many birds here and why aren't people turkey hunting here and you know, that's when they told me but i was like i couldn't believe it like because you just don't see i i feel like you, around here you see them randomly you know um yeah but you know you'll cruise by a field and there'll be a group out there or yeah. in somebody's yard or 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 there'll be like like I said, like an intersection or or a park. Or yeah, they're random for sure. You're just you know waiting for everybody to die so they can just take over. <laughs> <laughs> but well, speaking of that though, um, Dave, I wanted to ask you about your. Uh, um, do you make turkey calls too? Then I do. I do make the turkey pot style calls. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, just kind of got progressed from making long balls, and I thought, well why don't I make my arrows and start making my own arrows? And then thought I got this wood lathe here. Why not start making my own game calls? And uh, so you, uh, you like the pot calls. I do. I do. Um, I do too. I'm kind of drawn to pot calls. They just, they're so pretty. They yeah. Just, I don't know why. Um, I think the box calls, I, I enjoy them. I like them. You know, a pot call is just a lot easier to fit in your pocket. I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and the, uh, yeah, John, John loves box calls. Um, you know, he can really play one too. I just, I've never been very good with one. Um, and they're bulky in my pocket. So yeah. I've got a little, I got a little, uh, pot call holster that, um, a friend of mine, Jason made from uh, Rasher quivers. That's, uh, Nice. Really, yeah, really cool. It's just like a little, it's got a little turkey on the front of it, and you can hold your, it's got your striker, it'll hold right there, and it's got your, you know, it just fits on your belt. And I love that thing, but I also like the fact that they'll just fit in a cargo pocket. Yeah, absolutely. Put my striker in my pocket, and I'm good to go. But I have one of them too. You do. That's Mm -hmm. right. And, you know, I've had, (laughs) and the thing is, I have plenty of, there's been plenty of situations where actually most situations where a pot call is not ideal at all. (laughs) Like, I, especially with a bow. You know, where you're like, I got it. It's a two handed call. You got to put it down. And, and actually I got, I got into mouth calls for a while there. Um, it was getting decent. And then I just kind of stopped using them because I didn't like the, you know, I, I chew on them the whole time I was in the woods. You know, I'll be honest. The only thing I use those mouth 
calls for is uh, deer hunting. I'll when I'm doing a spot and stock, I'll do a little bit of clucking while I'm walking through the woods. Really? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, that's really about the only thing I use those mouth calls for. Huh? That's not a bad that's idea. My, uh, my turkey calling tip for the day. Use it for deer hunting, not for turkey hunting. It's <laughs> funny you brought up rasher quivers. I was really bummed to see him close the doors on that. Yeah, I was too. He's in the band now. He's like, it's like. <laughs> really? Yes. It, it's like Albert Road or something like that. Wow. Um, yeah, wow. he's he plays bass. And I didn't know because yeah, for a while he was making guitar straps and stuff. But yeah, Jason, Jason was a talented guy. And I, and you know, I, he, he made me some quivers and, and. Um, in fact, the one I, the one I use right now, um, that was, uh, basically the MOLE or the, whatever the, you know, it had the, the accessories or whatever that you could clamp to it, like mm-hmm. the military style. Right. Yep. Um, I love that quiver. I don't put anything on it, but I love it. And I was just, I thought about that the other day and it's actually on the cover of my book. I'm wearing that quiver and, um, I love that quiver. And I, 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 I was like, man, I'm too bad. He's not doing that anymore but yeah so uh oh i forgot i was gonna ask you dave what what do you use for a quiver man i have a couple different quivers i'll I'll use uh you know sometimes honestly i'm when i'm in the woods i'm walking around with just a couple arrows in my hand really Um, yep and what i sometimes i do is I, i made just a leather um basically like a leather cover that slips over top of the broadhead. Oh yeah. As opposed to a quiver on my back or on my hip. You know, Jason made me one of those too. Um, It was just like a broadhead cover. Yeah. That you, you strap the top to your bow and you just, you walked around with it in your hand and I just, just, it just slips over the top of the broadhead. I just could not get used to that though. Like I didn't like having the arrow in my hand. You ever tried that Steve? No, no. Um, but you know, I hunted, I hunted all season last season, last year with a two arrow quiver. Really? Yeah. The, the, the whole season. That's all I, that's all I used was a two arrow quiver. And you know what? I never shot that second arrow, but <laughs> for some reason this year I've gone back to, I'm using my, my great Northern again this year, but, uh, um, I still, I, well, I shouldn't say that I did use that two arrow quiver a, a little while while I was waiting on my 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 bows and gear to get back from Tom's after we got back from Wyoming, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I really I actually like the simplicity of that little two arrow quiver. I I, I should probably just get it out and put it back on, but I haven't done it yet. Is that like that little uh, is that like a little eagle's flight or something? No, one? and I'm sitting here, and I can't remember the guy's name. Um, bear with me a second; it'll come to me. Casey Kreger. I can't remember the name of his company. Uh, he was at he was at um, he was at Compton's. He had a booth set up at Compton's. Uh, Swinging K Farms is the is his. He has you know he, they they raise uh, I think they raise goats and do some uh, stuff there. But it's um, Traditions Leathercraft. I don't know why I was drawing a blank there, but anyway, oh, I've he, heard of them. Yeah, he did some last year, and and he actually um, got a die made for the um, Compton Traditional Bow Hunters logo and i got one as soon as he came out with it and i honestly love it and keep saying i'm gonna get another one from him and i just i haven't done it yet um but it's a neat little quiver it's just a uh the the 
two broad heads kind of go, you know, front one, one right behind the other. And then down at the bottom, it's got two little quip clips, almost like a great Northern where, you know, one goes right beside of the other one. Uh, it's a neat little quiver, very light. Cause you know, I always take my, my great Northern off my bow once I get up in the, in the mm-hmm. tree or in my blind. Cause I don't like a quiver on my bow, but this one's so small, you don't even notice it. Yeah. I do too for, Oh, go yeah. ahead, Dave. Well, as I say, that's what I found years ago when I had a quiver attached to the bow. I it, it kind of drove me nuts, and I would always end up taking it off. And then I finally just said, you know, I, that why I'm not even going to carry it. Yeah, that lost me my first bird actually. Yeah. Um, it, it, by no fault of Great Northern, obviously. <laughs> but I had uh, I had a um, well because they can. I, I did. I didn't realize how good they could see. And especially if they see movement. Oh, yeah. And I had these bright fletch flow, flow yellow arrows, um, like the, you know, the fletching. Yep. And no cover on them or anything. And um, I was taking the quiver off when I was down. But when I, when I was up and stalking around, you know, I'd have to have it on there. Yeah. And I, man, I was, I stuck to this tree line and I was, I, you know, I was using this big willow as cover and stuff like that. And I, I didn't think he could see these birds could see me at all. And then, yeah, they picked that flow yellow out, you know, waving yeah, my bow around. Yeah. While I was, oh yeah. They picked me off by like 70 yards. Easily. Through, yeah. I believe it. Brush. Yep. And I was shocked. Like I got out of the other side and I said, there's no way those birds could have saw me. And it's, it's crazy what they can do but i i started i kind of adapted that to deer hunting too where i'm like especially being a ground hunter primarily where that's just too much waving around in the air yeah absolutely and i even keep the bow on my lap and that's the other reason like i can't keep a bow with a quiver on my bow on my lap and i like to hold my bow on my lap same here yep well you you, need you need to check these out nick i think you really like them it's um uh, and I'll send, I'll, I'll send you a link. I'll throw a link in the show notes as well. Cause, uh, Casey's a, a super guy, but the, the, um, there's nothing that attaches the top part of the quiver to the bottom part. So it's completely, um, freestanding. There's no, there's no, there's no wire or anything connecting the two. Your arrow is the only thing that connects the two pieces of the quiver. Um, mm-hmm. and they use great Northern straps to strap it to your bow and he uses the Selway um, grippers for the bottom. Interesting. Anyway, it's just a really cool little little quiver. Two two arrow. I think he calls it a two light. Well, there well, there's a light. I mean, and there's plenty of days where I've gone out and I'm just like, you know, this is just a mobile day, you know, or something like that. And I mean, how often are you going to shoot? You know, I I got a thing where I like always want like five, four or five with me in the woods, and it's like, how often are you going to get to all that? You know, um, probably never. Yeah, but uh, I mean, there's instances, obviously, but then again, you're gonna be a, <laughs> you're gonna be a little bit more careful if you got two with you. I think that's why our friend Bub always uh, shoots two arrows on the 3D course, Steve. <laughs> well, and I'll be honest. I, so I've always carried more. I've had one instance in 16 years now of hunting with traditional gear. I've had one instance where I shot two arrows the same the same sit and that wasn't two different and, and shot two different deer at the same time not at the same time i shot one uh another one came through 10 minutes later and i shot the second one but that's oh. the only time in 16 years i've ever needed more than one arrow i my second deer i did i missed i missed over the back the first time in it 
and it, it turned around and came back and I got it with the second one, but I've never used more turkey on than I have. <laughs> well, and, and I shoot once and they always, they they'd leave for the next County. And I don't know why, cause my stuff's really quiet and I won't mention names, but I do know, I do know souls that have emptied their quiver. Um, <laughs> but I will not mention names. <laughs> He's pro- he will listen to this and go, He'll call me the name that everybody calls me. So <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and then I don't want to, I don't want to like, I mean, Great Northern's incredible. I absolutely love my Great Northern quiver. It's the Same best, here. it's the best brush beating quiver there is. I mean, if for navigating in the woods, you just, you, you just can't beat it. Um, and I can shoot with them just fine, but I just can't afford to the way I hunt. I, it's just too much, too much on the bow moving around. And when you're that close, it just, it doesn't work. Well, I, so. I take mine off for multiple reasons. One, I just don't like it on the bow. I don't like the extra movement from, you know, the, the feathers that aren't covered. And, you know, five, five, 800 plus grain arrows, it's heavy. So I take it off and hang it on, on the hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And you're getting old. So the lighter, the better. <laughs> <laughs> hey, watch those getting old jokes. <laughs> he can he 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 can say he can't keep up with me. So let him. He, oh, all right, all right. Actually, at this point, I probably can't because you you were training for uh, your Wyoming hunter. Yeah, um, I, I I can I can I can pretty much tell you about the point you would have melted on that hike in. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to think I would have been in shape, Steve. <laughs> I thought I was in shape until I started chasing turkeys around the Black Hills, and I got to tell you, man, I was like. I was in a world of hurt. I'm not going to lie. That's what I hear. I hear it's, there's nothing like being out West in shape, man. But yeah. So it's a good time. I loved it, but man, it sounds like a good time. Like, so how often do you, you know, just how long do you, have you, do you go out there? When's the last time you were out there? How many times you've been out there? I've only been out there once, uh, 2016. And, uh, I was, hoping to get out there this past spring but ended up not making it due to some family medical issues and um yeah i, I absolutely loved it it was just amazing 2016 is the same year that that i went through the black hills you know tom and i were had we hunted antelope in wyoming but we we spent a few days just driving through uh, montana drove through the crow indian nation and drove through uh the Black Hills, South Dakota. We we just we had a we had a couple of days. We just basically were sightseeing and and catching a few trout along the way. It was really cool. That was in 2016. That yeah, was beautiful. Did you, uh, Dave? Did you see two jokers in a van? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> it would have been Steve and Tom. <laughs> but yeah, that I got I got to get out there. I know. Um, I just keep hearing more and more about it. And everybody says that once you get out there, you don't want to go anywhere else. Well, you need to start oh. planning right now so that the next trip that Tom and I make, you're ready to go. Yeah, yep. I know. I know. Because it's going to be a, it's going to be a couple of years. So that gives you from now to then. Time. Yeah. Two to three years to be, to, to prepare. So no more excuses. <laughs> All right, then. Um, well, David, I, I think we've, we probably kept you long enough. Uh, Nick, you, did you have something else? I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, man. I was just going to ask Dave if you had anything you wanted to add. I uh, know I'm, I'm good. It's been a great talk and I appreciate the invite and, uh, 
love chatting with you guys and love to do it again sometime. Well, we've enjoyed it. Yeah. And uh, really do appreciate you taking the time out to, to share some, share some stories with us. Yeah, no um, and we'll, we'll definitely, we'll definitely keep you on the radar for a future discussion. Maybe we can get together in the spring and, and uh, talk Turkey a little bit more. That'd be great. I'd love to. Yeah. And I'm hoping I can get out there. I, I, you know, I'm John and I have been talking kind of playing a little bit, but uh, that, that sounds like fun, man. Yeah, um, it would be great. And I'd love to see you guys in Turkey camp. And uh, if not in Turkey camp, Hey, maybe we can get together another time. We live 10 minutes away. Yeah, I know. I feel pretty bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're still there and everything. We, we really don't have any excuses. So uh, it was, it was great talking to you just, just to talk to you. Absolutely. Oh. You too. It was great. Great talking to you. Great meeting you, David. Thank you again so much. You and, too, Steve. Thanks guys. And everybody be sure to head over and check out David's website at sharpstonearchery.com. And I'll leave a, a link in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Thanks. You too. Yep. Later guys. Bye.